So I was just asked if I was going to give an extra minute of Dharma since the time hadn't started. And I was actually, um, I was already feeling that, that feeling. Um, I don't know if you've ever had one of those days where you feel like, I don't want to grow anymore. <laughs> I'm done with growing. <laughs> I want to put this away, this whole project of growing. Maybe, maybe you felt that at times. <laughs> something beautiful coming together like this and knowing that we're on this um, this road together this process or this is unfolding of life and that we're all choosing um, something that may not feel so easy at times it may not feel easy very frequently And honestly, the more that I am on the path and practicing and discovering the Dharma, unfortunately, I don't know of any other way (laughs) how to live, how to really have uh, this life that if I really want to live it, I need to, I need to open to it. I need to really be present for it. Be willing to stay with experience long enough that can actually hear, be sensitive to what's happening in the heart and mind. And at times, it, it really does feel like the most courageous thing we can do is to show up for our own life, even though it feels like, well, you know, what other option do we have but to be with our life? You know, I think many of us have seen that um, when we don't have the tools of knowing how to look into our own mind and heart, that actually it is quite possible not to be intimate with our own experience, intimate with what's happening. It's such a simple thing, a moment of mindfulness. Yeah, and it really can seem as if it's not doing anything um, radical. But the more I practice and surrender into the moment of what's happening, 
The more I'm really amazed that in some ways the Buddha seemed to have put mindfulness and awareness right at the, the heart of practice, that awakening can arise from moments of being with our experience as it is. know what's going to happen next. I don't know what I'm going to say next. <laughs> so, we don't know. This is the way life is. We don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah, I really did. I used to panic in front of groups. Every course that I took in high school and in college was specifically designed to avoid being in front of groups or any kind of group sharing. <laughs> it's wild that the you know the practice of learning to um, be with the uncomfortable, and, you know that that's this willingness to to just settle into. Oh, okay, this is this is anxiety, and this is a mind that's racing. It doesn't like this experience, and that there's incredible power in being able to turn to that. It's so freeing to not have to be perfect. And this um, word vulnerability has been coming up a lot for me recently. I think there's um, some aspect of mindfulness that uh, is about vulnerability. The vulnerability of um, receiving the moment of experience. This willingness not to, um, you know, be in a in a constant state of fixing what's coming up. It's really a deep listening that happens with vulnerability. It's it's not something that I, I realize that I need to try and do too much, but I don't know, somehow I think in just trusting that, you know, what's arising is worth listening to that our own life is worth listening to. And so many messages, I think, are spoken in the world. 
that we can internalize a lot of those messages that what's actually happening in our own mind and heart is irrelevant, it's not worthwhile. It's a story that's has been repeated, I think, frequently in the Dharma. The first time some of the Western early teachers were visiting the Dalai Lama, um, someone was sharing um, their feelings of not having self-worth and there being a very strong inner voice or inner critic of just not being good, not good enough. And according to what I've heard, the Dalai Lama was quite surprised at that. And, you know, someone else said they had that too. And then he just went around the group and was amazed that almost everyone shared that tendency of mind. And from what I heard is he was unlike his normal, very gentle way of holding things, he was pretty strong and said, you know, that thinking is wrong. That's not right thinking. And what he pointed to was, um, you know, the way he was raised and the way people that are raised in the Dharma is a very strong message that in the human mind and heart is the capacity, complete capacity for freedom, for developing the awakened mind and heart that is free of all the afflictions and distortions of mind and the torments of mind, that we have this potential. And when we really see that there is this potential to awaken, it has no limit in terms of its goodness, the whole idea that this is, um, I don't know, this mind and body is not good, or I can't do it, can really set that aside. And we realize the value of turning to our own experience is of immense benefit. And before my first retreat, I was I didn't know anything about practice at all. And I was in India, kind of wandering around, lost. Spent a lot of my years lost, it seems. And, uh, and I was really, I wasn't sure what, what could possibly come of looking at my own, my own experience. What, what benefit does that bring? You know, I'd had so many years of, of uh, schooling and, um, and everything was, uh, you know, to be studied out there and to be learned and gained and added to. And it was interesting to really reflect before practice what, what can be gained by, by being with our own experience. 
is there something merely to be understood? And what is that process like? How do we actually do this? I've never really looked back since, you know. The practice has been just such immense benefit from those first days. It's like the heart cracked open and Just the steadiness, this moment by moment being with what comes, what arises, the ordinariness of things, nothing special. And yet the mind is growing, the quality of the awareness is growing, the sense of seeing the Dharma is a little that we do, or as much as we do. It's just the steadiness, you know, those little drops that we keep adding to the bucket. I had no idea there was so much to listen to in any given moment. We're such sensitive beings. There's just so much that's alive and happening. And I think, you know, when we're not cultivating that quality, it's so easy to skip over Uh, our moments of life, the moments of experience, the fact that we're in this real mystery of unfolding. We've got this experience of life. Then within, within a certain number of decades, we'll all be gone. You know, at times I like to reflect, if we're not really wowed by being alive, we're, we're not paying attention.
have this tendency that if I've been saying things that are too somber for too long, I, I, I want to kind of lighten the mood. <laughs> you know, it's just a habit of my mind. And one of the groups that was talking about, um, you know, what are the conditions in which we do learn the best? You know, how is it, what's the frame in which we're really able to be present to things? And um, as much as I feel like there's a real um, power in this being present and vulnerability, um, if the mind is also feeling overwhelmed or burdened by things, that also doesn't put the conditions in a way that allows us to be with things. And there's a sense like, you know, there is like a, a dance of practice, this playfulness. And part of that arises from in a way that the, the view in the mind that does see things as, as they're not so much about the story of me when we're seeing it just as these phenomenon that are arising, you know, that this is where we're finding ourselves right now. This is the way things have come to be. And I don't need to be in control of it all. And there's a sense of like, oh, I can just open to the unfolding nature of how this mind and heart are speaking in this moment, how it feels to be here. And there's times really where it's just a very playful experience. It's very joyful. So easy to try and be such a good meditator. I've done that so many times. For a while, my practice, I would just sit as properly as I could, and I would just sit upright. And particularly, and there were certain times when Utejaniya, I knew, would be coming into the hall when I was in Burma. And particularly at those times, I would try and make sure I was like just sitting upright. And so that, you know, I'm, I've got it. Mm. <laughs> Gosh, what is that? (laughs) You know, the efforts to try and be seen in a good light by everyone to fit in. It takes a lot of work to fit in. Oh. I feel like I could sleep for a few decades from all the... (laughs) all the trying to fit in that I've done and to be good. So after a certain point, I started experimenting. Even though my mind was really wide awake, I would just kind of start to lean over. And, and then I would I'd slowly be slouching over. Slouching, slouching, slouching. And then my head would be on the ground. <laughs> and then I knew Sidal was coming in at a certain point into the hall. And it would took all of my will to just allow myself... <laughs> to be hunched over and to be seen that way. 
You know, it's like, I'm awake. You might not know it, but I'm wide awake awake right now. And I am practicing. (laughs) And it doesn't matter. Just watching my mind, watching what happens with that. So I told him that story. (laughs) Uh, He said, you don't need to do that. You can just watch your mind. You know, so there's, there's play in practice. And it is easier when we're not trying to um, get our experiences to be right, but we're just receiving them the way they are, exactly the way they are. Dull mind, doubting mind, judging mind, it really becomes perfect just the way it is. It's nice being in a room with mindful people. Being new in the teaching role, I'm on my edge, you know, a lot. And a certain part of me, the kind of Dharma warrior in me, likes to be on the edge. A certain part of me hates it and would rather kind of be back in the caves I've practiced in and the various places I've run away to. You know, and I, you know, that is, it's, it's unavoidable in some ways that, you know, steadily as we're with our own, our own experience, what's arising, and as the, the tendencies to protect and to hold away or to change away from what's uncomfortable as those kind of uh, little shifts to avoid the unpleasant, fall away. You know, 
we're going to meet more and more the edge. And it's, it's, it doesn't need to be too scary. It's just what is that, that little edge that we can be with? You know, I don't think we can really grow in some ways unless we're just a little bit uncomfortable. Not too much, but a little bit. And maybe the discomfort is being more mindful than we're used to. Looking at experience with increasingly a view that allows us to see things more accurately rather than through our story and self-views than we're used to. Recognizing that what's arising is also just nature. Can I be with that? This is what's here. Letting go of certainty in practice can be an edge. Being mindful in a difficult moment can be an edge. It's hard to really be present and let in to the heart, to the mind, when what's arising is difficult. So you might not realize it, but a lot of your own practice is riding an edge. Discomfort from being silent can be an edge for some. And then at the end of the retreat, once we've gotten used to the silence, Exposing one's heart and mind to someone else, then that becomes an edge. These bloody edges. (laughs) When are they going to (laughs) stop? And it's and it's increasingly, you know, we get um, interested. I find I'm more interested. And part of my mind, you know, that phrase, when am I going to stop growing? Or I don't want to grow anymore. You know, that voice is there. And I don't really, I don't really believe it. But sometimes, you know, I do feel that way. It's like, I just want to go to sleep for a while. And that can be good. You know, sleep. (laughs) You stop being um, really authentic and open and then we realize the residue of that. We can only bear with that for so long.
this simplicity of listening. You know, our life is already happening. It's unavoidable. You know, and simple choices, we can listen, grow the heart and wisdom from listening. Or not, you know, and that is a totally valid way, and that's a personal movement at any time that's relevant. You know, and the opportunity is always there, it's always waiting to listen again. You know, and the listening is onward leading, it's not to suffer, it's to take in the lesson of what suffering is there. And to realize there's a cause in this moment of why the heart and mind hurt. As Kamala was saying, it's you know a noble truth. In a way, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful that there is this world that we're in, and it's it's a very causal world, that we can look and see that there is actually something we can look into and see what gives rise to suffering, what gives rise to any unpleasant state of mind, and we can gain insights from that. It's right here, it's not some other time. It's just, you know, to me, it's increasingly, it's this beautiful thing that I can turn to the moment in any given, any given moment and know that there's something that I can understand in some way that I'm resisting or identifying with my self-story and I'm not seeing it as a natural phenomenon. And in that moment, there's some touch of release. You know, this path is very practical. It's not a burden. And then when the mind and heart are feeling light, the sense of ease and joy, that also has causes. Sometimes it's been good practice, just good karma, good conditions coming together.
There's no rush in life. There's no rush in practice. Life is already happening and, you know, it's just going on its own way. It's funny following one's own uh, mind process and seeing where the thoughts lead one. I don't know why I wanted to say there's no rush in life, but I wanted to, and it felt okay to say that. You know, partly from my own conditioning of needing to uh, get things right and get things done. I just realize, you know, increasingly this sense of trust of, yeah, like that, just kind of breathing into the moment. Um, it's a much more receptive state in the practice and in, the, in a way it's kind of trusting the wisdom and the, the unfolding to happen. So, you know, we've said this in a way that a lot of the effort is much more about um, this willingness to hang in there in some ways and to keep with the practice. And we try and do it all at any single moment. You know, it's just the mind overdoing it. You know, our life is going to be as long as it's going to be, and our practice is going to be with us if that's what we choose, you know, until this life ends. That kind of gives me this sense of real willingness to to be patiently with uh, different circumstances that are coming and the times that I fall on, on my face and make a mess. And it's just ongoing. Ongoing, getting up, falling down, struggling, seeing that. And there's also this kind of feeling of being the immediacy of practice. That it's not sometime tomorrow or once I get done with this particular thing. You know, it's just all the time, the immediacy of knowing something, being with experience. Very simple.
So I um, hope that anything that I've shared has been of some benefit and leave anything that's not been supportive or helpful to you, you can leave it aside. So I want to thank you for your kind attention and thank you for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.